Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised in Joel 2.28, and we equip for the outpouring so that we may engage in the outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to our podcast today. We're delighted that you're with us. We're going to go a little deeper into what we started in our last podcast, where we're talking about what is going on between darkness and light. In case you haven't heard the last podcast, you might want to go back and and listen to it. But now that you're here, we'll just quickly recap that we were talking about Isaiah chapter 60 and verses 1 through 3. This is in the Passion Translation. Rise up in splendor and be radiant, for your light has dawned, and Jehovah's glory now streams from you. Look carefully. Darkness blankets the earth, and thick gloom covers the nations. But Jehovah arises upon you, and the brightness of his glory appears over you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light, and kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. Isaiah 60, 1-3. Thank you, Philip. There's something glorious about that place where the transition between light and darkness happens between night and day. There's that beautiful band of magenta that that circles the globe wherever there's a sunrise or or a sunset going on. Somewhere in the world, there's something beautiful going on, something Mm -hmm. glorious, some place. It's that place of transition where, where light and darkness are meeting. And I like to think of that as what it's like at the place of the outpouring, the Mm. place of revival, the place where God is pouring out his spirit, where there's revelation going on. And there's that beautiful golden time when light and darkness are transitioning between one another. And God is pouring out his spirit just like that and pushing back the darkness, pushing it back, way yeah, back. Hallelujah. Way back. <laughs> so we were talking a little bit about, about some of our escapades on our two prayer journeys to Tibet in 1993 and in the year 2000. The first time that we went, uh, it was so, so dark in the spirit. It was just so oppressive. And we had some, um, we had some troubles the things there were attacks on our on our team you know and even before we went uh we found out that the person that was uh put this whole team together wasn't able to go sharon was going but we felt that i should go on this team too yeah and we ended up being the team leaders and it was an expensive ticket so this was this was 1993 it was a four thousand dollar ticket yeah that was a lot of money back then and and it's still a lot of money. Still is. And we're <laughs> we're faith missionaries, you know. And God just supplied for that trip. It was just the most amazing thing. That's how faith works. That's how it works. And so, you know, and sometimes you have to put faith into action. You know, when God gives a, a word or something like that and you know it's God mm-hmm. and you have to take the first step. And that's that's what happened and uh and God met the need for it. It was just the most amazing thing. Yes. He does that. He does that for his will. So our our assignment on those two journeys was to 
build a beachhead, as it were, of the presence of God by worship. So everywhere we went, on that first trip in particular, um, we would we would ask the guide. It was a it was a Chinese guide, wasn't it? Yes, he was Chinese. Yes, and and we would ask him, you know, where is the highest place that we're going to be <laughs> in any of these monasteries or temples or or you know mountain ranges or whatever you know mountain passes. So whenever he told us this is the highest place, we would have a little worship service. Would, he, he called us the singing group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He thought that's what we were, and we were. And we were. It was <laughs> the most amazing thing. And, and even on our, our second team, we went to even higher mountain passes. We were, we were at 17,800 feet. It's some of the highest mountain passes in the world. And that's where we worship the Lord. And you can tell if you're near a Tibetan Buddhist monastery or even in the States or something, mm -hmm. you'll see these prayer flags. Mm -hmm. You'll see these colorful-looking flags. And a lot of them have their Tibetan scriptures you know, written on them. Yeah, scriptures or prayers. Scriptures or prayers. And we had someone that had put together, it was like a string of red red flags like that, and there was uh, our scriptures, or was it the Tibetan gospel scriptures written on? It was in the, I believe, in the Tibetan language. Or maybe it was in ours. I don't remember that. But we strung those up along with all the other prayer flags. It was the most amazing up thing. Up on those high mountain passes. On that high mountain pass. And we have pictures of that. It's just awesome. And we worshiped the Lord there. And one of our teammates, she had her flute with her. you know, And, and we carried oxygen with us because uh, you you know, you only have half the amount of oxygen when you're that high. Yeah. And we're just rejoicing, praising the Lord. And we had a little backpack guitar. Yeah, I had one of those little little tiny backpacks where you can just put in the, you know, the overhead carrier of an airplane. And then even the Tibetans would come up and join us. Yeah, we it were singing and dancing, and the, and the Tibetans came and joined us. They it just was joined amazing. us. It was amazing. At 17,800 feet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was uh, two times we went up that height. We went very high. You know, and uh, it was just, just the most astounding feeling. And it's like the only place I can describe on the face of this earth that looks like Tibet would be Montana. Mm -hmm. called, Montana is called Big Sky Country. Mm -hmm. It's very similar. And photographs do not capture it. Never. The three dimension is not captured in photographs. You just can't believe when you look and what you see and, and what it feels like. It's just the most awesome thing. And even flying over it, we looked down on Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen it from the airplane. Three times we've seen it from airplanes because we flew just very close to it. And it just happened to be sticking out of the clouds. And on this journey, we saw Everest, and even at 14,000 feet, or at 17, worth of 17,000 feet, and we took a team photo, and Mount Everest is in the background, mm -hmm. and it didn't look so tall, because nope. we were already so high. Yeah. Well, that'll preach, won't it? Yes, it will. There's a message in that for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The thing that was so amazing was that, that the presence of God would come down in the worship well, that shouldn't be amazing. That should be expected. The presence of God comes down when you worship, and it changes the atmosphere. And one of the things that we also did that was uh, rather unique was that every time we sat down for a meal, we would sing Ooh. the doxology. And, yes. and, you know, God 
put together this team. We didn't choose the people for the team. God did it. He he did it. And ev- and everybody sang their part. It was we had four part harmony going on and singing the doxology in these places and and the people that come to Tibet, a lot of them are looking for an ex- spiritual experience but not not with Jesus. Not with Jesus. <laughs> and so when we would sing that doxology in a restaurant or you know we're in a, the hotel restaurant it would just grow quiet because a lot of these, you know, they come out of England and all that and and out of the Church of England, Scotland, wherever, you know, but they but the doxology is sung in most all of the you know, the mainline denominations like that and they know what it is. Yeah. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all ye creatures here below. Yes. Know? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You know, it was a, it was the most astounding feeling. You know, it, like wow. You could you know? kind of feel the hackles coming up from some of them, and and some of them, some of them had a little bit of light where mm-hmm. you could see that that it was registering that it was good. Yes, Amen. Hallelujah. But God wants us to impact the atmosphere wherever we are. Yes. And just obey Him. It's, it's so important to just obey whatever God shows you to do. As I said the last time, in our, in our walk with him, it's not about whether you read so many chapters of your Bible a day or you pray for an hour or you pray in tongues for 15 minutes. Or It's not something that you measure in earth time. It's something that is about connecting with eternity. It's better to read one sentence in, in the scriptures and meditate on it and let it go into your being. That will have more eternal benefit than just having read the scripture. I want to mention something, too. We, we heard this from an astronaut that was on the moon. And when they were up in space, it's just like said there was such a freedom. You didn't feel all the demonic stuff. No demonic oppression. No demonic oppression because there's nothing for them to oppress on the moon. You know, they're all in this the second heaven. You know, right. around the second heaven of the atmosphere of Earth, and right. You know, and they're just over our heads. They're just over our heads, and they're just screaming and yelling and trying to, distract, you know, like distract. in a, you know, like a, a ball game. You know, like the little league. You know, go mm-hmm. little league and. You know, got to go up to bat, and everybody's saying, "Hey, batter, swing, swing!" You know, and, and and that's the the devil is constantly harassing <laughs> us all the time. But with other stuff, whatever our weakness is, is what he's harassing you with, because he knows how to trip you, and that's what he's trying to do. But I found that was amazing that once this astronaut got out of the realm of the second heaven, yeah. way up there. That there was such a, he said there was such a peace up here like I've never experienced before. Yeah. I thought, well, that that's just amazing. Yeah, you know? it's true. Kind of gives you a little idea of what, you know, what we're dealing with down here. Right. It's, but, it's a little bit more like walking in the Spirit. Yes. So anytime you feel oppression in that, worship. Yes. The worship is the key. I mean, if you're, you're stressed out in rush hour... I mean, I, I get more st- uh, stressed in something like this than Sharon does because I'm usually the driver. You <laughs> yes. know, if we're doing a time element or something, you know, and it's just, just gotta worship. Got to get there. Got to get there. You know, that's driven. You know, you just driven. Got to get there. And it's just like take a breath, you know, and worship. Just start worshiping, and it just will calm everything. It can even open the way ahead of you. 
That's right. Change the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere around you. Right. I mean, you have to change the atmosphere right where you're at to affect anything else within so many feet of you. It's true. You know, kind of like the intercessors that went before Charles Finney. And when he got within about a mile or so of the city, people, uh, wherever he was going, people would feel conviction of the Holy Spirit. Right. Because it was changing the atmosphere. Right. And that's what we're called to do. And through worship, we can do that. Right. And it's it's about impacting the darkness with the light. Yes. And where that clash happens, the glory falls. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is ready to, to engage with us in this battle if we'll just go doing the things that he tells us to do. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of the story of Edward Miller in Argentina. He went there as, as a missionary, uh, I think, in maybe in the 1940s. I'm not sure just, just exactly when he went. But he went and, and started doing all the things that they, that they taught them in missionary school, mm-hmm. and nothing happened. It, Argentina at that time in particular was very, very dark. Very a lot of witchcraft. A lot of witchcraft there. Yes. Yeah, a lot of demonic oppression, demonic activity, and so he was. You know, he was trying to do the things that he was taught in Bible school to do, and it wasn't working. And God said, "You need to pray." And so he he set him aside. God set him aside to pray for. I don't remember just how long, but it was quite a lengthy time that God mm-hmm. said, you spend eight hours a day. This is your work. You're going to pray. And so he did. And he didn't feel like it was making any difference at all. But it was part of filling those bowls of prayer that are collecting in heaven. You, you see that in the book of Revelation, how the bowls are filling up with the prayers. And you got to fill the bowls. you got to fill the bowls. It's not about... It's not about having to repeat and repeat like the like the uh, importunate woman uh, that was after the the unjust judge that Jesus told about in the parable where you know he he finally did what she wanted because she was bothering him so much. That's not that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. But what it what it requires is persistence. Mm-hmm. It requires persistence. You got to contend. You got to contend. You got to contend for the for the thing that you're praying for, the thing that God has put on your heart. And as as he continued to contend, finally the Lord told him, "Okay, I want you to have a uh, a prayer meeting, and you need to have this prayer meeting at such and such a time. I think it was like nine or ten o'clock at night. Yeah, it was late. Yeah. It was late, but uh-huh. the Argentines." Yeah. That's when they eat their dinner. Yeah, the restaurants open up at <laughs> 9 o'clock at yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. So God told him to have this prayer meeting, and just a handful of people came, and they prayed together, and he, he would say, does anybody have anything that you're feeling in your spirit? Does anybody have anything you feel like you're supposed to do or you say? Or say? And after after a while of this, I don't know how long it was, but after a while of this, this lady says, well, I have this feeling that I'm supposed to go up to the front and and bang my fist down on the table. And he said, well, go ahead. She says, nah, that can't be God. (laughs) And so the next day they came again and they pray. And and, and at the end of the meeting, he says, does anybody feel anything? And the lady says, well, I think I'm supposed to go and slam my fist down on the table, but nah, that can't be God. And I don't know how many days this (laughs) persisted, but finally, finally one day, he said, just do it. Can't hurt. And so she went up to the front and slammed her fist down on the table. 
Slammed her fist on the table. Wow. So she slammed her fist down on the table, and the power of God fell. Wow. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's when the glory of God started to fall in Argentina. And revival broke out that has never really quit. Um, it, it's, it's just been one thing after another in Argentina ever since. But just, it's, it's because people obeyed God. Yeah, I say just because of si- simple obedience to do something that sounds foolish. Mm-hmm. Because it does. Yeah. It does sound foolish. But if it's what God tells you to do, you just need to do it. And it released the glory. It released the glory. It, you, you know, you think about about what happened in the Hebrides revival in the, the Hebrides Islands off the coast of Scotland, where these two little old ladies were praying. And about the same time, uh, some men got together to pray. They were complaining about the how the young people were, you know, sitting around in the back of the church and passing notes, and they weren't paying attention, and they were so worldly, they were wanting to go to dances and things and they and so they decided they're going to pray for revival. Now they had known lots of revivals. Yeah. They had had revival. This uh-huh. wasn't a place that was full of darkness, but this was a place where there were you know things had just kind of drifted off and a and, generation or two went by. Yeah, a generation had gone mm-hmm. by. It was it was a new generation that didn't know the move of God. Yeah. And that's why we have to have the move of God in every single generation and we have to do whatever it takes to get the revival to get the move of God to to yes. push back those powers of darkness. Amen. We've got to be so filled with the Holy Spirit ourselves yes. that we Amen. can push back the darkness. Yes. Hallelujah. And just obey God in whatever he shows us to do. But you can't obey God if you can't hear his voice. That's true. You've got to be tuned into the spirit of God and not just now now just to be fair, um different people connect with God in different ways. He made us all, each one of us unique. Philip and I are not, no, I shouldn't say we're not special. We are special. We are special. Philip, you're special. Sharon, you're special. (laughs) (laughs) But everybody that's listening to this is special. You have been designed by God specifically for a purpose. In this earth, you were sent to earth with an assignment that has to do with the assignment of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Each one is customly customized. (laughs) Yeah. We are each of us customized by God to have a part because we are part of his body. Mm -hmm. He's the head. We're the body. And just like the head in our, in our, in our physical bodies gives orders, you know, move your left hand and you move your left hand or move your, you know, right ear or whatever, you know, you wiggle <laughs> your ears, whatever it is. Your your brain tells you what to do. Jesus tells us what to do through his Holy Spirit. And when we obey God, we are working with him to accomplish his purpose. We each have assignments, individual assignments, and nobody can do what God gave you to do. Do you remember that uh, back when you were kind of having a complaint about a song that we were going to sing. No, I don't remember. Tell me. <laughs> it was the Bill Groggins coat. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, I we were we were leading worship in a in a service, and and Philip and I were on our guitars, and Sister Gwen, our founder, was on the organ, and 
I had a list. I had. I was sure that I had heard from the Holy Spirit about what songs we were to sing and in what order. And, and, and of course, the organ is the king of instruments. It's, oh yeah, it's louder than a <laughs> yeah. And so we're we're a little ways into the list, and Sister Gwen just took it. She just went a different direction, and I was miffed. I was upset. I was put out, and and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said you can sing Bill Grogan's Goat. <laughs> and if I anoint it, it's anointed. <laughs> now, if you don't know what Bill Grogan's Goat is, it's a silly little song about Bill Grogan's Goat. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it goes right now, but it, but it was something about um, Bill Grogan had this goat, and he, the goat ate everything. And, and he even ate his, his red underwear that was hanging from, you know, long underwear that was hanging on the, on the line. And he was so upset that he tied him to the railroad track. And, <laughs> and, and at the end of the song, the goat coughs up the, oh, I guess it was a shirt, a ah, shirt, underwear, whatever it was. <laughs> whatever it was, it was red. He coughed it up and he flagged the train with it, you know, that, and that was the end of the song. It's a silly song, silly. But the Holy Spirit said, if I anoint it, it's anointed. <laughs> and I remember there was a Bible school one time, that a session that we had that, that a lady, she was just so Holy Ghost filled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Our little she, gal, she was from Texas. Uh, she had Kentucky cowboy boots. Or she had cowboy boots. Yeah, whatever. Everything. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. She, and, and she said, I have a song from the Lord. So she comes up to sing this song from the Lord. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. <laughs> and she said, it's a song about the bride. <laughs> and how the, the the groom is coming with his six white horses to get her, you know. And it was so amazing that she could take a completely secular song and see the Spirit of God moving in it. Mm. And the power of God did come. Yeah. It was it was a silly song. But the point is, just obey God. Yeah. Because when we're when we're obedient to God, God is gonna do some things. Now, I wanna share this dream that Jane Hammond had. Dutch Sheets read it on his Give Him 15 on April 15th, and it is so powerful. It fits with this principle of the people of God being used by God to penetrate the darkness. And we're, we're being used in that place where it's the between place, between light and darkness. God is using us to penetrate the darkness and make a difference. So here's what she said in what she wrote that Dutch Sheets read, and I got permission to read it too. We are now in a very important time of spiritual engagement, prayer, and contending over God's destiny and purpose for the United States and other nations in the earth. So if you're listening to this and you're not from the United States, this is for you also. Romans 13:11 exhorts us to know the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. The Spirit of God is awakening watchmen and intercessors to watch and pray as never before. On February 22nd, 2021, now this is Jane Hammond writing, I awakened from a dream in which I saw American cities seemingly being overrun by violent rioters in a dark night. Cities were on fire. Massive destruction and anarchy was taking place. The rioters were lawless and demonized. In fact, their actions were totally inspired by the demons. A strong demonic force thought they were in control. 
And then she says, parenthetically, I do not believe this was a reference to the riots that occurred last year in some American cities, but was instead a glimpse into the spirit realm regarding demonic activity currently at work. In the dream, there was a force present which I recognized as riot police. I knew this was actually the ecclesia who had been assigned to restore order and peace in the nation. Now, just to clarify, if you don't know what the ecclesia is, it's the Greek word that is translated church in most of our New Testament translations. But it doesn't really mean church originally. Originally, the word was used by the Greeks and by the Romans to indicate a group of people that had been called out from their normal place of life to be legislators, like a city council or a, a regional council. A or governing body. A governing body, yeah. exactly. And, and actually, the person who was in charge of that ecclesia was called an apostle. Mm. So these were terms that were secular that Jesus was applying to his body. Okay, mm -hmm. so get the picture that his body is supposed to be legislating in the earth. That's what Adam was given us the assignment to do. He was given the assignment to subdue the earth, to, to have dominion over the earth. So she says that she knew that this group of riot police were the ecclesia who had been assigned to restore order and peace in the nation. They were standing shoulder to shoulder as far as the eye could see with shields locked and full riot gear on, which I realized was modernized spiritual armor. So you can look at Ephesians six eleven through 17 for that. They did not have a sword in their hands, for the sword was in their mouths. Mm -hmm. Initially, Jane says, I was uncomfortable with the imagery of riot police because of well-publicized instances when they've been accused of political repression against honest dissent. However... The job description of riot police is to control unruly crowds, maintain public order, discourage criminality, and protect people and property. When this is understood, the imagery is appropriate for our current season of contending as the ecclesia. In my dream, I saw a large angel with a megaphone intermittently shouting, Hold the line! When he stated this, the ecclesia would march forward two thundering steps, shields locked, pressing back against evil. They were advancing even though every kind of evil was swirling around them. As they marched, they released a sound of war. hoo -ah! And light came from their mouths, blinding the enemy. Hold the line, rang out again. And once more the ecclesia marched forward, pushing back evil. The gates of hell could not prevail. Evil would not be stronger than God's church. Mm. And Amen. just to add to this, uh, the, the ecclesia always met in the gate of the city. So this is referring to the, the ecclesia or the governing body of hell, that their agenda is not going to work. Back to the dream. The sound the ecclesia's boots made resonated in the heavens, and I realized the armies of heaven were marching with them like the four lepers who said, Why sit we here until we die? And got up to go to the enemy's camp. God caused the sounds of angel armies to march with them, terrifying their foe. In the dream, this sound caused the demons to scream in agony and panic as they realized they were not just dealing with humans, the church, God's army on earth. They were also being confronted with the armies of heaven. 
Two armies advancing. Two armies taking authority and dominion in the earth. Two armies bringing God's kingdom into the land. Two armies pushing back against the very gates of hell. I believe the Lord is saying to his ecclesia, My people, do not be afraid of the night. The night does not belong to evil. I Mm -hmm. own the night. The night only coaxes wickedness out of their hiding places. Then when the light is turned on, there is no place to run. (laughs) The night precedes the dawning of the new day. For you are living in the manifestation of Isaiah 60, where it seems darkness is covering the earth and deep darkness and deception cover the people. But I, the Lord, am rising on you, and my glory will be seen on you. Then nations, even this nation, will come to your light and kings and leaders to the brightness of your rising. That's Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, which mm. we have began this mm. message yes. with. Yeah. And the Lord is declaring to his ecclesia, you may feel that you are living in a day in which evil has prevailed. However, I say to you, I am up to something. Did I not say that I would cause evil and corruption to be uncovered? Did I not say there would be days of chaos and confusion ahead? Did I not say I would expose hidden plans and demonic schemes? The Lord says, do you think it would be easy or look peaceful? Ha! Do I need to remind you that the greatest victories come after the greatest battles? Psalm 2 Verses 1 and 4 declares, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? God sits in the heavens and laughs. The Lord says, I assure you that I have a plan for America. And if you're from someplace else, it's for your nation too. I assure you that I have heard your prayers. I assure you that I am a God of righteousness and justice and I will have my way. You may feel you're at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies are pursuing. You may even feel trapped and that your plight is hopeless. But the Lord says, I have a plan. I am up to something that no one has seen before. I'm going to move in a way that is beyond the natural. It is supernatural. So hold the line, Ecclesia. (laughs) It's time to advance, even in the midst of darkness. Hold the line through prayer and prophetic decrees. Hold the line with worship that opens the heavens. Hold the line for your own personal peace, joy, and faith. Hold the line for justice, truth, and righteousness. Hold the line for the coming revival and awakening. Hold the line for the destiny of your nation. Shake off weariness and break out of grief and disappointment. Rise up as warriors, empowered by Holy Spirit, and take your land. Our victory has never been closer, but we must press through the night to the dawning of our new day. And that's the end of the quote from Jane Hammond. Wow. We want to encourage you, beloved, that we belong on the edge of the darkness. (laughs) We are filled with the light of God. And when we lock our shields together and move as one, we can penetrate that darkness and push it back. I'm reminded of the famous quote by C.T. Studd, who was an amazing missionary. Uh, He began his missionary career back in the 1800s. He grew up rich in England. He was uh, an athlete. He was handsome, and, and, but God called him. And at the age of 24, he left his riches and he left his sport of cricket. And he mm. went to the mission field. He went to China. He went to India. He went to Africa. 
in his lifetime. What, uh, what year was that? I think he first went in uh, 1884, something like that. Wow, and that, there was no plane there. Oh, no. He took the boat. He took the boat. But there's a, there's a quote that he's famous for, and that is this. Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> push back. Push, push back. him push back. back. Push yeah. him back. Way back. Way back. It's wow. time for us to go in there and rescue the perishing and, and set the captives free. That's, that's what Jesus did, and he's working inside of us to do the same thing Amen. as we're watching and waiting and contending for this great global outpouring of his Holy Spirit as promised in Joel 2.28. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence. Mm -hmm.